Hello, I'm your host, Gillian Semler. You're listening to Let's Talk, brought to you by Citilets and Arla Property Mart Scotland. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show for the world of property letting, investment, legislation, personal stories and much more. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's Talk at citilets.co.uk. Today, my guests are Finance and Digital Marketing Manager, Ross Leeper, and Sales Director, Lindsay Yule from Edinburgh's Rent Locally. Morning. Good morning. morning. Now, Rent Locally are national letting agent franchises with 13 branches in Scotland, and your Edinburgh branch, which is a family business, celebrates 15 years since it was established. So tell us more about the organisation and its structure. So we set up in 2008, um, there's four directors in the company, there's myself, John Horsburgh, John Lorney and Stephen Murray. Um, obviously we've got our staff team and our core offices which are Edinburgh and West Lothian. And then we've also got some business partnerships and franchises throughout the central belt of Scotland. Um, so we've been trading quite successfully for 15 years now, it was our 15 year anniversary just in April. That's great. Okay. Well, Ross, you were initially recruited um, for their accounts department as finance administrator. And then last year, the office created a digital marketing manager role, which you were also appointed to and promoted to finance manager at the same time, um, just at the young age of 23. So what are the advantages would you say of a young manager in these two specific positions? Yes, I've been at the company for about three years now, as you said, joined as the finance administrator. Um, the, the sort of the role came up as a as digital market manager after I saw a bit of a, not a void, but something that I, I quite like, would be quite good in, and I thought, you know, being quite young, social media coming up in marketing quite a lot these days, um, it's something that I could help the company with. Now, after sort of redesigning our marketing structure, the job was just sort of there and going, look, we'll trial you this at that, and yeah, sort of year on doing the role, um, I'm still doing it. I manage around a team of about four people, um, sometimes five, depending on who's jumping in and out. We've got quite a lot of people that help in different departments in the company, and I think me being quite young, enthusiastic, um, you know, just breaking into the business uh, and even this sector, I've only been in the sector for about three years, I think people understand that they're, they're going to grow with me and experience stuff that maybe they've experienced for the first time and so have I. So I think that brings quite a nice, um, just sort of a nice fix to the team because we are all learning together and it's not a sort of hierarchy of like, I'm this, you're this. It's really much we're just a team in one, which really does help just, you know, work together, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, let's focus on your new digital marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. First of all, what existing market marketing is provided by Rent Locally, you know, nationally, and what new elements did you introduce um, for your branch specifically? So I think, like any company through COVID, um, there was a bit of, you know, sort of just treading the water a little bit um, and sort of regrouping. Before I was a digital marketing sort of manager and looking at different strategies, there wasn't too much in the way of digital marketing. So I think for every sector, it's it's a new opening, um, especially with Facebook, Instagram, indeed that uh, sorry LinkedIn. That's one of the platforms that's actually getting used more and more every day. Actually, overtaking Facebook. So what I try to almost develop is let's try and mainstream what we're doing. We're doing great stuff in the company, but we're not necessarily showing 
people outside the company. We've got great achievements, like one of our members of staff um, just celebrated their 15 year anniversary at the company, which before I don't think that would have been highlighted. And quite a lot of our landlords and tenants these days are like to know what's going on. If you're spending your money somewhere, you like to know what's happening inside the company. So our strategy now is, you know, we need to get out there. We need to try new things, which, you know, we're, we're doing new things on Facebook. We are doing new things on um, Instagram, which I have just set up um, the last sort of two years, along with looking at bringing in different uh, lead sort of generators that we've not looked at before, which really pushes the boat out there. Um, I know Derek does the City Let's um, sort of highlight on the magazine as well. But yes, the testimonials. Yes, yes which is really, really good. But we're giving him his own sort of blog as well, just so people get to know who they're actually speaking to in, the, the, in the business manager sort of role. Because Derek brings in the landlords. So we're trying to get that more in the way of going. So it's definitely a work in progress, but mm -hmm. we are just, you know, the, the thing that I always say is we're just trying to push the boat out a bit and make rent locally you know, one of the big contenders by advertising it properly. Okay, well, what positive impact then on the branch has this new strategy had, you know, on the business and also on your clients as in like, the landlords and tenants um, since the introduction of it? Well, one big thing that I did pick up on is we, we weren't advertising rent locally and all the good things that we were doing. We spent quite a lot of time regrouping and looking at trying to get reviews um, from our landlords and tenants because at the moment with, with Google, when you look online for a um, someone to go to, you look at the Google reviews, that's what you're looking at. You're seeing who's, these, this company's good, this company runs really well, or this company's not so good. So we didn't really have that. I think we started off with 20 Google reviews and now we're up to around about 120. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we really pushed that. And the positive impact on that is landlords are now coming to us because they're looking up letting agents in, in Edinburgh and we're coming up there within the first like, you know, five, depending on what, what they're searching, which we're seeing more landlords come through our doors. Um, and again, it's because people are saying we have a good service to use where before we didn't really have that. We were providing a good service, but we really weren't advertising it. So that's one big thing that we've done that has really changed our image and also made the business grow, because there is definitely more landlords coming in the door. Yeah, because landlords want to know other landlords' experiences with agents, so yeah. ideal. And mm -hmm. I think word of mouth only goes so far um, to the point where you sort of, the trail could sometimes be, you know, could be five landlords and then it runs quite cold. So looking to bring in new landlords that have maybe not really dealt with rent locally too much and they see all the nice reviews, they see go on the website and they see, you know, Derek's blog and us posting on Facebook. So it all sort of ties in with, you know, you get the good reviews, you get the landlord in and they go, wow, this company's really advertising well um, and showing themselves in a good light. So that's, that's how we bring them in at the moment and it is really working. Good. Lindsay, you run the Edinburgh Property Investors Network, also known as PIN, and have a very good feel of the current market as well as close connections with many of Edinburgh's property investors and landlords. Now, there are clear signs that rents in the Edinburgh market have maintained their steep rise in the last year. Um, so I can gather this is your experience too, but you know, what factors do you attribute it to? Um, there's a couple of factors, the main one being lack of stock. Um, there's a lot of landlords selling up because of the, the new legislation that's in place with the rent freeze and the moratorium on evictions. I don't think we've fully seen the fallout of that yet because there's still a lot of landlords that are in a notice period that haven't quite gone to FTT um, for eviction yet. So I think that's one of the, the main factors. 
The other main factor is obviously the steep rise in mortgage interest. So a lot of landlords who are on a variable rate or are coming to the ends of a fixed rate product are not able to refinance at the level they were financed at before. So the net result is if their payments are their mortgage payments are higher than what their rent is, by the time they then take into consideration insurance, maintenance and the legal compliance that they need to follow, then obviously by by default the rents are going up. Yeah, and obviously they can they can increase by three percent or apply for six percent, but it's only obviously of fifty percent of their increased costs. So that's right. Yeah, that's right. So I think landlords with big portfolios are having to recover any losses across the board through their new properties that are coming for relet. So that plus the fact that there's a lot of tenants competing. So if we put one property on, for example, in Edinburgh, we'll maybe get 60 viewing requests within the space of half an hour. We turn that affair off um, and then you take as, you know, as many people as you can get on the phone in the first day, but then they all compete against each other. So as much as the landlords are driving the rents up to a degree, the tenants are driving the rents up further because they're then offering more um, to give the property to them or to make them competitive, particularly if they've not been able to get a property for a long period of time. And the net result is that the most vulnerable tenants are struggling to get at a competitive level with the, with the, the ones that are offering more money every month. So, so what was your reaction then to the recent confirmation that the rent cap you know, will be extended? Um, and also, you so know, just I read the mm -hmm. legislation proposal from the government and um, I think we're quite clear on the reasons why they feel it is necessary. Um, main reason being inflation's not gone back down to where they would hope it would be. Um, there's a number of factors that they've put forward which, you know, I think everybody could look at and, and agree with. Um, because we all, we all want the tenants protected. We but all obviously... want the tenants protected, but ultimately all the tenants need an affordable property and forcing rents up because of lack of stock is not protecting the tenants ultimately at the end of the day. Um, I, I read about the statistics that they were using when they um, deemed the PRS not to be um, in a, a, a dire straits and they were using first-year tribunal um, eviction proposals um, as one of the kind of factors where they see that there's not been a significant drop in landlords in the sector. The other factor that they also used was the landlord registration numbers haven't dropped. But the thing is, a lot of landlords had held off until about March, April before they started the process. To give a two-month or a three-month notice period at the moment, at, from April, wouldn't be in place yet for first year. So it wasn't a true reflection. It's not a true reflection on exactly what's actually happening in the market just now at all. Um, and you know, I think if they were to review the numbers again in say August time, they would have a very, very different picture from what they've got just now. Landlords obviously if they're going through first year tribunal they have to remain registered as landlords because they are still landlords. So even though they're going through the process of um, taking their properties back because their, their costs are higher than their rents. Um, at the end of the day, a lot of the landlords are saying that they don't want the tenants to be um, at risk and a lot of them are trying to sell the properties with tenant in yeah. situ. But the problem is that if the mortgage figures don't stack for them, they're definitely not going to stack for a new buyer either, right. who've also got the additional cost of the 6% stamp duty and uh, ADS, sorry, yes. um, and so on. So. Yeah, I think I think what probably needs to happen is either a mortgage cap, or um, or more money needs to be put in place for the vulnerable tenants to be able to get on the ladder in the first place, and definitely more properties need to be 
um, put in place by the government if they're going to continue this legislation. I mean, have you noticed many landlords exiting the market since October we, when what it's first we have got is a lot of landlords who are in the process of exiting the market. Um, there's not been many that have actually exited just yet because they're going through a notice period or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I do think there's a massive transition period. There's definitely people that are struggling and finding it challenging in the current market. Now, we have been using a lot of strategies with some landlords to try and reverse the situation to try and keep as many tenants in place as possible. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because what, what, what would be your... Because um, tell us about that. And also just your advice to any kind of worried landlords. So if there's any landlords that are worried, what I would suggest you do is go and speak to your local letting agent and they should be able to put you in touch with a number of people that could potentially help. If they understand the full situation across the board and not just the situation with the one property, then it's, it's easier for us to find a solution that can possibly help. So some things that some of our landlords have been doing is incorporation. Um, some of our landlords have been refinancing across a portfolio, so maybe reducing debt on some properties that are underwater, whilst increasing debt on other properties that are not underwater, and then basically making a net positive position. Um, With incorporation, would you say that? Would you recommend that they, that they should have a minimum number of properties before they think of? I think every. I don't think there's one bit of advice that fits all. Mm -hmm. I think each individual has to take their entire circumstances yeah. into consideration. So I think it, to say a blanket yeah. response to that wouldn't be an accurate reflection. I think the best thing to do would be on an individual case by case basis assess your situation as a whole, whether you're employed, self-employed, where you've got other businesses to take into consideration as well, then the, the advice we would give one landlord might be completely different from the advice we would give mm -hmm. another landlord. Do you want to just give a very kind of basic approach of just giving some advantages and disadvantages to obviously having a limited company or not having a limited company? So not having a limited company, um, obviously there's different tax rules with regards to mortgage interest, so you don't get mortgage interest relief if it's in your personal name. Um, and if you buy it in a limited company, there is different tax advantages and things like that as well. So, But again, I think the best thing to do would be to speak to an actual tax advisor because tax is not based on an individual part of what you do, it's based on the whole position yes. of everything that you do from employment, self-employment and so on. So probably having a, a chat with an actual tax advisor would get, be the best um, solution for, mo for most landlords, basically. Perfect. Well, um, just kind of moving on, let's, let's touch on the regulations for short-term lets, because it was recently in the media regarding the rebuttal presumption um, against allowing entire flats within tenemented accommodation uh, to be used as holiday lets unless their owners could demonstrate why they should be exempt, so that they could view that as unlawful. What's your opinion on the short-term li licensing for Edinburgh and how do you feel the city's holiday let accommodation affects supply within the PRS? Um, I think there is a place for um, licensing of short-term accommodation. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's going to disagree with keeping property safe and things like that. Where I think the licensing has fallen down is that it's made properties exempt that have been trading for decades with no issue. Um, in which case, that that the licensing hasn't been uh, fair necessarily across the board, and I think that's what's been defined in court. Um, with regards to the supply, I think there's a lot of supply in 
um, the whole of the UK that you know is used for serviced accommodation and generally speaking not all of those properties would be um, used in the PRS in the same way. Um, you know there is a lot of tourism in Edinburgh. I do think that taking away affordable accommodation in Edinburgh for tourism could have a massive economic impact on not just Edinburgh city but all of the cities um, or all of the towns that have accommodation. Mm -hmm. Do you think we'll see some of the short-term accommodation kind of transitioning into long-term lets? That side of things. I think maybe, maybe the last six months there may have been a little bit of that um, and potentially some people that are selling. Um, however, I do think that with the court case, you know, having now deemed that unlawful, albeit that's only in Edinburgh, but if you put that law and apply it to all of the cities and all of the councils, then actually it looks like the other councils are falling down on similar points. So, you know, what will happen next will really determine the market. I think people that are that are hanging on just now will remain in the sector for a number of years. Um, you know, they, you know they, they obviously there's been a, a massive crowdfund, the largest in history. Um, and I think that, that just shows the strength of the market and the strength of... Um, having a voice in the market mm -hmm. as well. We've actually got Fiona um, from yes, the Fiona Campbell yes. coming to speak at Edinburgh Pen uh, in September. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, she's going to be speaking a lot more about these points in a lot more detail than probably is in the media. Yeah. So um, I do think it would probably be useful to kind of wait and see what, what she says. She's genuinely the expert in, in that kind of field. Because mm -hmm. obviously, yeah, there's going to still be obviously changes in licensing, but yeah, how it will progress will be interesting. Do you want to just tell us a bit more about the Edinburgh Investors Network? Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, what happens at these meetings, who um, who it's suited for, just a bit Absolutely. more of what, you know, what benefits um, so people will get. Edinburgh Property Investors Network runs on the third Thursday of the month at the Novo Hotel in Edinburgh from 6.45. Every, everybody's welcome from start-up business to um, seasoned investor. Um, every month we have a mortgage update uh, from Bill McWilliam. Uh, he just tells us what's going on in the current market, what the general vibe is from the BDMs up and down the country from all the mortgage um, companies that he works with. Um, obviously, I give a late and update as well every month, so we keep up to date with the current legislation. We'll update people about new things that are happening in the industry and so on. And we normally have two guest speakers, so we select people that are talking about things that are quite current in the market. So obviously, the SA licensing is very current at the moment. That's why we've invited Fiona to come and speak. Um, so we do try and keep the speakers current and um, we do try and keep the advice that's coming into the room current for the existing market as it is at the moment. Okay, that's great. Um, so what strategies then, Lindsay, if you, are you implementing for growth in the current market? Um, so we've, we're kind of doing a, a multi-pronged attack. Um, so just bringing on landlords on a day-by-day -day basis like we normally do. Um, franchising and business acquisition is really um, one of the strategies that we're using at the moment as well. Um, we recognise that not everybody wants to remain in the market, but we definitely do want to remain in the market. We do think that the PRS is very, very strong. I mean, everyone needs a house at the end of the day, so um, albeit there's changes coming and there's a lot of uncertainty in the market for people, properties will become profitable again in the next 12 months. The interest rates won't 
go up and up and up forever, they will come back down, that's an economic cycle, like, yeah. it's always the case. Um, so I think, you know, the more experienced investors are probably just hanging on and, and just going to ride the wave um, out the other side. And, you know, I think at this point in time, consolidation would be a good plan for some mm-hmm. landlords and um, just really reviewing the, the, the picture as a whole. Okay. Yeah, and I think, I think as well we're trying to, one of the strategies that we're trying to do now as we see more and more landlords um, possibly hang on with Airbnb not fully transitioning over to letting or selling, is we're looking at our own client base and seeing how we can interact, interact with them more. We're seeing more and more of landlords maybe having properties split over four or five different letting agents. Um, so we're trying to target them more. They know our services, you know, they're we know their story, we know they're doing okay with their mortgage rate on some of their properties, so we're trying to get in touch more with them to try and bring them over to us to try and say, look, we can offer you this service that we're already offering you. So we're looking at that as well, as long as, along with bringing in new landlords and coming up with different strategies like lead generation and different things like that. So I think we're just offering a more enhanced service as well, you know, so if we're encouraging our landlords to come and speak to us, if their mortgages are coming up for renewal and things so mm-hmm. that we can kind of give them different strategies that they may be able to apply to themselves to stop them being in a position where they are forced to sell because we recognise that, you know, the, the sector is diminishing to a degree but, I mean, there will always be new investors that are lining up to buy so the, the, the rental sector is a cyclical market yeah. but at the minute we're just trying to protect as many people that are already in the industry as we can. That's that's what we that's what we do. I mean, with our strategy, with because we we we've seen quite a lot of Airbnb landlords come over to us and just try and get an evaluation on their property, see how much they would get for it per month, what they need to do, and we just say straight off the bat, look, this is free advice for you, because we understand that this is a, as you say the reducing market and. There is quite a lot of negativity and sort of press, and especially when we speak to landlords at the moment, it's it can be quite negative what they're coming back with. Well, this is happening. My mortgage rates through the roof. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. I have to sell yeah, this. Yeah, they're just seeing negative media at the moment. As well. yeah. mm-hmm. So we're just trying to keep a very positive um, atmosphere. Going, look, you can come to us for free advice, even if you're not using our services. Not even if you're not going to use our services in the future. We are here to to try and help you as much as possible. And Lindsay, you you do. That quite quite a bit going look you know if you need some help we're happy to provide it because I think at the moment it is just a we have to stick together with everything that we're doing um, so that that is a big approach that we've been taking and as I say even if we don't get business out of it it's a reducing market so we are just trying to be as helpful as possible. I think there's a lot of fear in the marketplace at the moment and I think people generally are afraid when they don't have a plan but I think sometimes just bouncing the ideas off yes. somebody else who's not in an emotional state about what's going on is quite helpful to help them de-strategize for themselves across the board. And there's no doubt about it. For some landlords, selling is probably the better option in some cases, but not for all. And, you know, there's quite a lot of people who have come originally and said, right, I think selling's what I'm going to do. Yeah, they think it might be the only option, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, that's a lot better for the tenants because a lot of the tenants are struggling to find other accommodation. Mm -hmm. And they've got a deadline they've got to be out for, and it's quite stressful and things like that for them as well. So it helps us kind of calm that situation down as well and, um, you know, keeps them kind of both landlord and tenant protected. Yeah. 
Um, now you mentioned about new investors that you've, you've seen coming. Is that does that tend to be kind of from Edinburgh? Where are you seeing new investors coming from at, at this I'm, current I'm time? I'm seeing them across the board, but mm-hmm. I think probably running the network event is probably you do see a lot more people that are at startup level or who. Are, you know, who are seasoned but maybe are just unsure about what to do next and unsure about whether to stay in the market or not. And then they come to these events for advice and things like that. And then, you know, I think personally, like I, I'm still buying, I do think that there is a market for um, continuing to buy. The, the PRS is stronger than it looks. Everybody does need a property at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not afraid of the market but I'm just maybe changing what I'm doing with what I'm buying making sure the numbers work spending a lot more time doing the due diligence at the beginning and then stress testing to make sure is this going to work if the interest rate was 1% higher 2% higher 3% higher and that's something that everybody should be doing at the moment because at the end of the day you know if you're if you're not going in for a fixed rate then you need to be making sure that you're property is going to be viable under variable rate increases. For any anybody listening that is thinking of investing in you know the first property or another property, where would you see at the moment is maybe commanding better yields in the current market? Everywhere at the moment is commanding yeah. ridiculous yields because there is so little stock, the demand is through the roof. So you know when a property comes on it's it's off like almost immediately um, and that's purely because like there's people are, are, are desperate for housing. So I wouldn't say there's a kind of one size fits all, but generally speaking, um, the rule of thumb would be to buy something that you wouldn't like mind living in yourself. Because yeah. if it's in an area that is near a good school or that you know that you would live in yourself, then the chances are you know that somebody else would want mm-hmm. to live in it too. So even if the market completely changes and goes back to its normal market um, with like like with just a kind of average demand then at least you'll still be able to to let the property yeah Yeah. what what would you say with them obviously the purchase price is very important for yields um so what would you say at the moment's happening with the market for um percentage over home report value within sales for people i think there's a very mixed camp i think there is still a percentage of people that are still in the mindset of covid where everything goes over home report there's another percentage of people that are absolutely not in that camp anymore. I was reading statistics the other day and they were suggesting that the market had slowed down and that the time to sell has, has increased um, and that there's been a lot more kind of price drops recently. Um, and that's possibly because when people apply for a mortgage a month or two ago, the, the monthly payments are different to what they are even just now. So obviously the interest rates go up then you know what people are willing to pay maybe comes down a little bit so we're at a bit of a plateau at the moment I think. Okay sorry Ross you were about to say something. Looking at demand, Lindsay you were saying demand with tenants coming in and, and taking a property you know almost straight off the market, looking at our data um, and sort of comparing it to, to others we are seeing you know one bedroom going 18 day average, I think it's between 17 and sort of 19 day average um, with two bedroom as well, um, going between sort of 13 and, and 15 days average. So that just shows the big demand in Edinburgh for properties going off. I mean, we get loads of viewings, we get you know, you've got tenants competing with themselves at viewings, property managers you know, giving out our deposit account and the tenant going, I'll pay it now. So that just shows how much there's demand in the sector. People are wanting properties there and there and you get some really yeah. hard stories 
where they've been trying to jump round and they're not getting anywhere with anything. And tenants are really desperate at the moment, so I don't think that's going to change. It is Any, very challenging as a late agent is. at the moment because I would say this has only really been the case since COVID, since yes. after COVID. Yeah. And never before in the last 15 years have we had a situation where we've had to turn down so many people mm-hmm. for every single property. Um, and it is challenging as an agent, you know, when people are saying to us, well, you didn't even give me a viewing for that. And you say, well, you're one of 60 and they answered the phone and they got the first viewings and now it's gone. I don't have 60 properties, I have one. So it's, it is a challenge um, for us as well because, you know, the landlord ultimately makes the ultimate decision on who gets the property. But we're presenting every single person that's been, um, you know, and you know that you're going to have to make that phone call and say to some, well, you know, if, if we had any other property, we would give it to you, but this is the only one we've got. And, and yeah, we're seeing our property managers are as busy as ever, you know, on, even yeah. on the phones, you know, tenants phoning, going, this has been taken off the website, what's happened to it? It's only been up for a day. And we're going, well, we've had 60 applicants, yeah, we've had so 80 applicants. Yeah, so take it off so that there's not 180 applicants yes. or 280 applicants, you Loads know? of examples in Leaf with um, one of our property managers, mm-hmm. Liz, where she'll put it on for an hour in the morning and then she's going, right, I need to take this off because yeah. I've had loads of applications. Um, and it's just not possible for one property manager to go through all these applications in a day and you know with other properties. So, so it's a high demand. How do you see this changing or do you see this changing in the next year? I don't see it changing in the next year um, unless there's a significant um, U-turn in the government policy to make it much more viable for landlords to remain in the sector for a start. Mm -hmm. Um, Second of all, I think there needs to be a lot more properties brought in at government level as well because for everyone that can't get in uh, to a private rented sector property, there has to be a plan B and at the moment there doesn't seem to be a plan B and that's where my concern is for the sector. So I don't see this changing in the next 12 months at all. Okay, what do you see after, um, obviously the government are talking about long term some form of rent control, we, you know, we all know that, but what do you see maybe the difference of, they seem to be talking as though it won't, the, the um, rent cap and eviction ban, they, they talk about that not being extended or it sounds like it won't be extended after April, so what do you see, what difference do you think that will make in itself? Um, I think what is happening with the rent freeze and the moratorium of evictions is I think it is creating uncertainty for landlords that makes them panic and feel that they need to exit the market when in actual fact, you know, generally speaking, those same landlords probably wouldn't have put the rent up anyway. So I think the thing is, because there's now a rule to say you can't, it puts fear um, Mm -hmm. and and it also means that for landlords in any other business, if the business wasn't working financially, they have the right to shut their business down. But in the private rented sector at the moment, they don't have that right. And the issue is, you know, some, some landlords will be running at a loss. And how long can you sustain that? Is it just across one property? Is it across 10? Is it across 50 or 100? So, you know, the impact can be colossally huge. Um, but I do think, you know, the, the, the market is strong and robust and it will come out the other side. Um, there's already re- legislation in place for rent pressure zones, which has never ever been implemented. It may be that at the end of this, the rent pressure zones come into play. Um, what the rent pressure zone legislation basically means is 
that there is going to be rent caps on areas of high poverty. Um, so at the moment there's no definition of a four bed in a very affluent area versus a four bed in a, an area that's less affluent. Um, and at the moment the rents charged on both could potentially be the same. So I suppose the rent pressure zones would allow for affordable rent in areas versus, you know, like higher, higher rent in areas. Um, that is probably most likely the route the government are going to go down. But there's no, there's nothing that I've seen to say that that's going to be the case. So we deal with just moving on to sort of the eviction ban stuff because we deal with quite a lot of arrears cases in in my department in finance. We've got quite a lot of landlords that maybe come to us Airbnb, even landlords that we've got now, and they'll give us a scenario where they go, well, if my tenant doesn't pay rent for one month, what can I do? And because there's been so much uncertainty in what we can actually do, it's quite hard to give them a lot of advice on that. You know, at the moment we're going, well, after two months we can serve them a notice. There's, all that. there's a couple of things there as well. You know, so we would always recommend that a landlord takes out rent guarantee insurance to yes. mitigate any losses in this scenario. So um, obviously property is one of the investments that can every single part of it can be insured. You can insure rent, gar- um, you know, the, the building, the contents, legal costs, etc. Um, if we ever have a situation where a tenant's got rent arrears, in the very first instance, we will always encourage the landlord to work with the tenants um, to try and get into payment plans, trying to get them access to benefits or other pots of money that they might be entitled to. And actually, we were quite impressed with our tenants, uh, sorry, with our landlords during uh, the COVID situation because we had a handful of tenants that maybe were only getting paid 80% salary, for example, and the landlords were great. They would say, well, either just pay me 80% of the rent and we'll write off the rest, or they would say, you know, my costs are X, so if you just pay that, that's enough for me. Mortgage insurance is covered. And they would write Mm -hmm. off their ears. So, you know, I know that there's a lot of press at the moment saying that the landlords are you know, greedy and trying to force the rents up. But for every landlord that is struggling with their remortgaging at the moment or whose whose mortgages are higher than their rent, there is other landlords that are in fixed rates. There's other landlords that don't have a mortgage. So although part of the market is in turmoil, there's another part in the market that's still really strong and robust. And so, you know, where possible, we would always try and work with an existing client because nine times out of 10, they don't want to be in arrears. You know, it's circumstantial a lot of the time. So we would always try and, and work with something. It would only be if, you know, they weren't working with us or that, you know, the, the, the arrears were getting to a point where they were never ever going to be able to pay them back, that we would suggest maybe moving to a more affordable location. For them, which you know we can help them with as well. Yeah, because yeah. before moving into letting it, you know, I think as I said, we've only been here in three years. You do have a perception of landlords, which I think quite a lot of people do have, um, if you've ever let the property. But over COVID, where we were the main, so there was only two sort of people working the COVID cases. You can see that landlords really wanted to help. Yes, yeah, so I think it's a small, like it's such a small percentage that. If, um, can earn so many landlords with this kind of rogue landlord kind of yeah. reputation where it's where it's not and so many times I hear this. There's um, still a lot of landlords that haven't put the rent up. That's right. Yeah. That's right. My so, landlord hasn't my yeah. landlord even emailed uh, me and said, Look, everybody's going through a hard time, I'm not gonna put your rent up. Right. And he does everything. And you know, I've always had a good a good landlord and I'm actually with rent locally. Yes. Um so I've just never had that bad experience and I know that I've you know, see the perception there, but I've never experienced that. And I think that's a big thing over COVID and 
everybody thought these landlords, this, this, all the different things, yeah. but actual fact, everybody was really understanding. And I think if tenants saw, because we sort of mediate both sides, if they saw how understanding landlords were, they would really see how struggling landlords are and how you know nice and everything they're being to tenants. So I do think there's a large percent, a large percentage of tenants that do know that and understand yeah. that. Though I do think it's a small percentage of tenants that yes. are unhappy with their landlord yes. or un, or unhappy with you know the market as a whole. But ultimately, the majority of landlords want to provide good accommodation for tenants, therefore they don't have problems with the legislation, yes. you know. And likewise, there's a lot of really, really good tenants that just want affordable accommodation that's in a decent location beside their work or their school or whatever. Um, you know, and I do think that there still is a large, or really potentially large market for the private rented sector. There's still a lot of opportunity there. Um, and, you know, as I said, I would be encouraging people to buy because um, we were on a panel actually with John Blackwood from Scottish Association of Landlords a couple of weeks ago and um, he said if every landlord in Scotland bought one more property we would not have a homeless crisis. Yes. And I think that's a quite important message for everybody Absolutely. to understand Absolutely. that um, you know the, the government needs us to work with them mm -hmm. because they don't have enough accommodation by themselves. Um, and you know the more people that that get on board with that, the better it's going to be across the board for everybody. And there's and there's just so many contributing factors because again, the government increasing ADS. So yeah, yeah, there's there's other aspects to look at. So, well, moving on to to another note, your Edinburgh branch has been shortlisted for the 2023 ESD Awards in October. So, what category are you finalists for, and what does it mean to the company? So we are shortlisted for the best letting agent in Scotland. Um, we did go for this award in 2014, where we, we won gold at it. And Lindsay and, and John uh, went to that award and you got your um, award from Phil Spencer. Um, so we're up for it again. We're really excited to go. It's in October. Um, there's a lot of harsh competition, I think, for this year. Um, a lot of good candidates. We have really tried this year to, to sort of, it's part of our marketing strategy to, to really go for this. And I think if we did win this award, it would be absolutely massive. We, we re reaped the rewards in 2014 from being the best letting agent in Scotland with the ESTA. So we're hoping that we'll, we'll sort of get there again, but there is some very stiff competition this year, very good candidates. All the very best of luck. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on. It's been really enjoyable. Thank Thanks you. Really interesting. Us. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. I'm Gillian Sandler. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to the Let's Talk channel on all the usual platforms, including Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud, as well as on citylets.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And also let your friends know where to find us. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show providing insight into the world of property letting. More information on today's show can always be found on our show notes along with this podcast. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's talk at citylets.co.uk. Thank you.